welcome. You're listening to a sermon podcast from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. This story is a post-resurrection story. It happens just a few moments or a few hours after Jesus has risen from the grave. And I find vision and a hope for the culture today, a vision and a hope for the church today, and a vision and a hope for you and for me today in this short passage. And all of it wraps into this rather simple idea of people in relationship with each other on a journey of discovering Jesus, and he is right there in their midst, helping them sort it out as they go. I think this weekend that we are wrapping up today and tonight has been a wonderful example, frankly, of this vision set forth in this passage and this vision of discovering Jesus together. This weekend has been a wonderful example of this vision in action for our church here at Oak Hills. Last night, as Manuel mentioned, we had our Advent festival and it was an absolute blast to be here. Nothing brings life and energy and hope like children living fully and without edits. It's just a beautiful thing to be part of. I got it out of my car. I started walking up here last night when I got here. And Robin Wells, Jordan's wife, was walking up. Her two boys were in front of her. And their little daughter, Georgia, was next to her. And Robin was carrying this big bucket of chili. And she was walking like this, turned to the side, and she's walking about this fast. Because Georgia had her hand under the vat of chili and they're walking about like this. And I said, Robin, is Georgia helping you carry that? She goes, yeah, she's helping me carry it. And it was just this beautiful picture of walking up. Georgia's in charge. Georgia's setting the pace. She showed me the tiger she was carrying, how her boots lit up. And before I even got here, I thought, this is the beauty of children. They bring life and energy and vitality. And as you well know, they have this absolutely unbelievable gift when they live fully and without edits, which they always do, of irresistibly inviting those of us who are a little bit older to once again be like children. And that's what was happening on this campus from about 5 until 8 last night, and it was an absolute blast. It was a great evening of gathering, of building relationship, of laughing together, in some cases having meaningful conversations, and in some cases being able to meet New people. And now we gather here today, this morning, to worship God and to celebrate at His table. And then tonight, our youth group will do the same. And soon we will then be sent as people to go live on mission in our neighborhoods and in our workplaces and in our schools. It's been a wonderful weekend. And as I mentioned already, we've been talking about this mission piece for several weeks now in this series. In particular, we've been talking about our homes as a missional outpost, a place where mission can happen. And to kind of get us into that space today, I'd like for all of us, young and old, to just look at the communion table for the next couple of minutes. Just fix your eyes on this table, and even as you see this table, let your mind also see the other tables in your life. So as you see the communion table, maybe you think also of your kitchen table. Or maybe you have a dining room and there's a table in there. 
Or maybe you have a table in your backyard. Or maybe there is a table in the cafeteria where you regularly eat. Or at a restaurant you regularly visit. Just thinking about the table. See, when we gather as Christ followers like we are today to celebrate the Lord's Supper, Jesus himself is the host of that table. And he invites us, those who are his brothers and sisters, he invites us to come and to sit and to eat and to encounter him at his table where he is the host. When we gather, however, at the tables in our homes, we are the host. And following Jesus' example and footsteps, we invite others to come and sit and eat and encounter Jesus at our tables. And so today, as we continue our series on our homes as a place or a space for mission, I want to talk about this table and how this table extends to our tables as one practical way for us to live on mission in and through our homes. For most of church history, the Lord's Supper, or the practice of communion, as it is sometimes called, has been the undisputed centerpiece of Christian worship. One of the few givens of what it means to be the church is to come together and celebrate the Lord's table. And throughout history, Christ followers have been shaped, recalibrated, reminded by his table. Powerful and transformative things happen when we gather at the table of Jesus. God's story of putting the world, this broken world, back together is retold at this table. A space is opened for reconciliation and forgiveness to break out in our relationship with God and in our relationship with one another. Our identity as his people is reaffirmed when we come to this table. We encounter the living, present, resurrected Jesus at this table. We gather as God's family, brothers and sisters, at his table. So the table is a visual reminder of our life together in Christ and with each other. And at this table, obviously, we thank him for sacrificing his life for our sins, which is why communion, the Lord's table, is sometimes called the Eucharist. It's a Greek word. It means thanksgiving. So the table is where the great thanksgiving, people giving thanks to God for what he has done for them. But I would suggest to you what happens at this table does not stay at this table, or is not supposed to stay at this table. The encounter at this table, I would suggest to you, is to extend to the other tables in our lives. This past Friday night, in the sprawling metropolis of Lodi, California, a few of us from Oak Hills attended a meeting with a few other people from a few other churches in the area. And when we first arrived, a group of us gathered in a room around a big circular table. And sitting at this table were a nurse, two therapists, a communications expert, a business person, and three pastors. At that table were both men and women. 
There were those in their 50s, 40s, and 30s. Some at the table had younger children. Some at the table had uh, older and grown children. And some at the table had no children. Some who were sitting there were feeling good physically. At least one who was sitting there had an aching back. Another had a torn ACL and was awaiting surgery. We didn't talk about it, but I'm sure sitting there, there were some Republicans. We didn't talk about it, but I'm sure sitting there, there were some Democrats. Some of us knew each other, but mostly we had just kind of met. We attend different churches, work different jobs, are in different life situations, but all of us are followers of Jesus Christ, stumbling along the narrow road that leads to his life and goodness, and we ate together at this table. We told stories for a while. We laughed. We shared a bit of our life and history with each other. I don't want to overstate what happened or turn it into this exaggerated sort of postcard moment. It was a meal before a long meeting. But it was more than that. We had gathered in this home on that evening to talk about the church, local churches, and talk about mission in today's world. So there was an intentionality in our gathering from the get-go, and that impacted our time around this table. There was, however small or incremental, a shaping that occurred by being at the table with others who are on a similar journey and share a similar intention. When we were at the table... Our titles and roles and jobs and gender and ethnicity and age, all those things that so often define us and give us our identity, they dissolved. And instead, we were a group of sisters and brothers who loved God and were seeking to love him more and discover fresh ways to help others encounter him. And similar to how the table, this table, is the centerpiece of Christian worship and essential to what it means to be the church, the table is often a symbol and centerpiece of a family. In the house in Lodi, it most certainly was. A big, round table in a big, round room. It was like the Oval Office with the big, circular table in it. It was evident our time on Friday night at this table was not the first time people had gathered there for food and laughter and love and sharing. The table is where a family gathers. It is where love is expressed through food and conversation and relationship. It is where family business sometimes happens. It's where stories are told. And let's be real, sometimes arguments happen at the table of a family. And occasionally, arguments get sorted out at the table of a family. At the table, the field is leveled, we might say. The roles and the pecking order kind of fades away, and we are simply with one another as a family. So let's come back to this table for a second. You and I are constantly pressured and influenced in our lives to find our identity in the roles we fulfill in the titles we have, and in the, the accomplishments we have attained and are pursuing. Life bombards us 
to find our identity in these things. And gathering at this table realigns us. We come to this table and we remember our identity as his beloved sons and daughters and as members of his family at this local church, which is part of his big church. And the titles and the roles and the ethnicity and the age and the experience and the color and all the rest of it is fades and the field is level. So we can rightly say a social and psychological reordering happens at this table. Let me say that a bit stronger. A social and psychological undercutting of cultural norms happens at this table. We are not what we do. We are not what we accomplish. We are not the master of our own lives. And we are not alone. God is our Father Jesus is our king. The Holy Spirit is our companion and our counselor. And we are his people. And this is reality for Christian people. Not an idea. Not a, even a teaching. This is reality. This is the new reality for anybody who professes to be a follower of Jesus, their identity is redone, and we remember that when we come to the table. And this upside-down ethic, where things are turned over and flipped around, this ethic of the kingdom of God gets played out and put on display when we come to the table. Imagine for a moment a dinner party on a Friday night in, suburb, in a suburb of Rome in the year 21 AD. They happened. They did these things. In a typical first century Roman dinner party or banquet, here's how it worked. Rich and privileged men would invite other rich and privileged men to an evening of food and drink and conversation about important subjects. The servants would serve the women would gather in a different room altogether because they weren't considered qualified to be at the table with the men. The children were even less qualified, so they would either be with the women wherever they were or in another area by themselves. The poor would never even be invited because this was an exclusive gathering. It was like a country club where if you didn't have a membership, you couldn't just stroll in and sit down. At a Roman banquet table in the first century, um, each man sat in a spot that reflected the pecking order of importance where they stood uh, where the, in term, relative to the other men. And the one closest to the host had the most status and was deemed the most important. So when these banquets would happen, one of the motivators for the men who would come would be to, with each passing one, Get a little bit closer to the host because then you were a little bit more important. So this Friday night in a Roman, Roman suburb, circa 21 AD, was organized around the ethics of privilege, status, power, and importance. A gathering for insiders, and outsiders need not attend. Well, the last supper Jesus had 
with his disciples. And the subsequent church practice of the Lord's Supper was patterned after one of these Roman banquets, except at Jesus' table. The ethics of the kingdom of God reordered and revamped the social dynamics of the day. So it was a subversive meal, as one author puts it. It was a meal, a practice that undercut cultural norms. Remember in John 13, at the Last Supper, in the upper room, the host of the meal, Jesus, the power broker of the banquet, the one everybody wanted to get the closest to because he was the host. He gets up and he washes the feet of his guests. Well, that's what servants were supposed to do. And as soon as they did it, they were supposed to leave and go back to where they belonged. At the Last Supper, the invited guests were just ordinary dudes. Most of them poor, ordinary dudes. They were not elite in any way. Sitting at Jesus' table at the Last Supper was a guy who was conspiring to kill him. And another who would soon deny even knowing him, and Jesus, the host, knew both of these things, but he invited and welcomed and washed the feet of these men, even so. You feel this? How countercultural this is? How subversive this is? So at his table, Jesus turns the ethics of the culture upside down. At his table, titles, roles, privileges, and status markers Fade At his table, we wake back up to the reality that we are his daughters and we are his sons and we are members of his family and this is the beginning and this is the end of our identity. Alan Street, in a book called Subversive Meals, puts it this way. He says, if anyone wanted to know what the kingdom of God was like, All they had to do was attend a Christian communal banquet. There they would encounter an alternative way of life where all people, regardless of the status assigned to them by Rome, practiced fully as equals in the meal. Around the meal table, believers forged an identity as being in Christ. As such, they were now being fashioned into a new body politic which represented the kingdom of God. And this idea, these ideas, are absolutely crucial in the life of Oak Hills Church. We as a community are to be an example of the alternative way of the kingdom, the way we relate to each other, the way we see one another, the way we treat one another, the way we lead one another, the way we follow, is to be upside down from the way it's done in the culture. We then are to put the kingdom of God on display through our life together. Or say it this way, we are to be an embassy of God's kingdom right here in the midst of messy earth. So, blacks and whites and female and male and white collar and blue collar and rich and poor and less abled, and able, and old, and young, and Democrats, and Republicans, and liberals, and conservatives, humbly gather 
at Jesus' table. Now hear this. As brothers and sisters who are members of God's family. And faithfulness to Jesus and the constant elevation of him as king and the one to whom we bow, hold us together in spite of our differences. And when this happens, this displays the way of the kingdom to a world addicted to fracture, friction, division, and separation. So our scripture from Luke chapter 24 It occurs just hours after the resurrection. These two companions are walking the seven miles from Jerusalem to the nearby village of Emmaus. And as they're walking, they're recapping the amazing and tragic and confusing events that happened in Jerusalem over the previous weekend. As they walked and talked, Luke says the risen Jesus joined them. But these two companions, Luke says, were kept from recognizing him. As the three of them now walked on together, these two talking about what happened in Jerusalem to this guy Jesus don't recognize this guy Jesus is walking along with them. And Jesus asked them what they were talking about. And an important conversation occurs between the three of them. And we come to verse 28 that says, As they approached the village to where they were going, Jesus continued on as he was going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, And he began to give it to them. And Luke says, then their eyes were opened. And they recognized him. And then he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? You get that? The band, this band of three end up in a home eating together at a table. And while they are there, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them. Sound familiar? His last supper table, where the kingdom was displayed and a new social order was enacted, has just been extended to this home at the end of this strange day. And these three companions, two who know each other, but they don't know the third, sit down for a meal at the end of a long day and long weekend. And when Jesus took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them, something profound happened. Something, dare I say it, miraculous happened. They recognized The presence of Jesus in their home, at their table, in this meal. Their eyes, Luke says, were opened and they recognized him. They remembered the conversation they were having with him on the road earlier in the day. And Luke describes their reaction. Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. They sensed something about him even before they recognized him. There was something compelling about him and their hearts burned, longed, ached. And when he entered their home, he took bread, gave thanks, broke the bread, 
and gave it to them, saying, gave it to them, and their eyes were open, and they recognized who he was. This is the Lord's table extended in a home, where people who are gathered around a table for a meal encounter Jesus and become aware of his presence. So when we talk about our homes as an outpost for mission, you may be thinking, what on earth are you talking about? That seems so ethereal, so gooey. Not sure what it means. Well, here's one of the things it means. We believe our tables can be a place where the presence of Jesus can be discerned, encountered, and experienced, especially in this fast-paced, fractured, divided, and increasingly lonely world. Or put it this way, is it possible that what happened on the road to Emmaus and in that home was more than a one-time event in the life of these two friends? Is it possible there's something transferable to us? Is it possible this idea of the Lord's table can be extended to our tables? So our table in our home can be a place where people gather and people eat and people share and Jesus himself is present and something real and something meaningful happens. Luke says in verse 35, Then the two told the other disciples what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. So imagine the four movements of the Lord's Supper. Taking bread, giving thanks, breaking bread, and sharing bread occurring in our homes as we gather with those who know Jesus and with those who don't know Jesus. You see, we're walking out to a bold edge right here. Imagine being there with those who know him and those who don't. So our table becomes a place and a space where we learn how to discern the presence of Jesus. And what if, over time, by God's grace and spirit, those gathered there had their eyes opened to who he is. Is that possible? Could God work through something as simple and unspectacular as a meal with others in our table, at our table, in our home? Let me put it this way. Is it possible in five years, someone, somewhere, is telling a story of meeting Jesus for the first time five years ago in your home, at your table, over a meal? It has such an Advent quality to it, doesn't it? Jesus coming to be with us, the incarnation. God putting on human flesh and this wonderful word dwelling among us. Being with us in the everyday aspects of our lives, like at dinner, around a table, as we take, give thanks, break, and share food, and learn how to tend to his presence and trust he's at work on our table. Living on mission. We're talking about it a lot. Conducting some experiments in mission because the world is lost and needs Jesus Christ. Just like these two in this video. They wanted to share this good news with people who didn't know him. 
That's what we're talking about when we're talking about living on mission. Here we're talking about extending the table of Jesus into our homes and inviting those who don't know him to join us. And we pray with others about our table and we see if God does something. No forcing, no pushing, no moment when we say, now I've got you here. I'm going to tell you about Jesus. So we're going to handcuff you to the chair so you can't leave. And then I'm going to tell you about this. None of that. Just gentle courage to follow the Spirit's lead. With confidence, Jesus is present and wants to be seen and known by those who currently don't see or know him. Well, this is going to be something we're talking about uh, for quite some time. Matter of fact, we have a plan. It will be enacted in January, February, and March. Dave and Ashley and others are working on it as we speak. And the plan is to encourage and find a way to get a number of us to host a meal at our table and invite others to those tables. Some that we invite who know Jesus. Maybe some we invite who don't. We don't program it. We don't manufacture it. We don't force it. We step into that believing if the communion table extends to our table and Jesus is present, who knows? what might happen. Would you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, we accept your invitation to come to your table, broken as we are, conflicted as we are, different as we are. And I continue to want to pray this into the DNA of Oak Hills, that we would revel, celebrate, be glad for, and protect our many differences that we would recognize that in those differences, you have the chance to teach us how to submit those things to you and be in submission to each other. And there, your power can break out and hold us together when everything, perhaps in us, and certainly in these cultural times, would say, run away and go find a group that sees it the way you see it. So I pray beyond just today that we would increasingly be a people that recognize our differences are an opportunity for your power to bring forth unity and in doing so, we demonstrate to the world the alternative way of your kingdom. Help us to that end. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.